Well, Diane Diamond is here. She seems real annoyed. She seems real annoyed. I have in my notes, oh, God, Diane Diamond is here. So I love that we're on the same page, girl. Hi, Julia Bezzavalli. Hi, Patrick Hines. Look, Diane Diamond and I were friends. We were DMing, like, I would say two to three times a week, Diane Diamond and I were DMing. Just saying hey? Yeah, she's a big gardener. We were pals, and then she came at me for something about Biden that I tweeted, and then I tweeted back, like, Diane Diamond, girl, you Republican? And she denied having any political affiliation, but scroll through her tweets, you guys. Yeah. I love when people do that. No, really? You have 8,000 tweets, Ms. Diamond. I used to love you, Diane Diamond. Make the sound. Make the, the current affair sound. <laughs> you guys, if you want more of us dragging people, join us on the Patreon. <laughs> Over 300 full ad-free bonus episodes to download a binge right now. Look, yeah. right now we are covering Relentless. There's oh. no getting around it. You guys, I gotta tell you that I will be living with the after effects of covering this for years to come. It yeah. is The Facebook is going crazy. I'm mm-hmm. going crazy. You and I have to talk for 20 minutes before we even start recording about the series and the episode and the Fontana, the director. Guys, we have so many feelings about this. So much. So we're in the middle of that. We're wrapping that up. We're almost done. Thank God, girl. I know. It doesn't seem nearly <laughs> as long as the 20 episodes of Making a Murderer we did, which are also on the Patreon. Uh, but we also did Lula Rich. Uh-huh. We did um, the Gacy thing on Peacock, which is now the official name because that's what we call it every single week. The Gacy thing on Peacock. Uh, Lorena, the Jinx, the Vow, all that I stuff. I would say like Night Stalker, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, where I burst into tears. Yeah. Um, the Scott Peterson one, if you want to hear the side where people think maybe he's innocent. The Jody Arias thing. Uh, the Staircase serial season one. All the ones that are like several episodes, three, four, five, yeah. whatever, six, eight, <laughs> 11, 20. 34 episodes. Uh, they're all on there. All those kinds of jams. You guys, we're playing Broadway. I'm just going to say it real quick. If you have a ticket, please come. And if you aren't going to be able to come, please get in the Facebook group and find somebody to buy your ticket. There's a thread in the announcement that's right at the very top of the Facebook page. Get in there. There's like a hundred people looking for tickets. And I just don't want to play to an empty house. We hired a director. I'm not going to give too much away. It is going to be more like a Broadway show than a TCO live show. That's all I'm going to say. I would just go to our Instagram accounts if you want to see like one like 10 second (laughs) little teaser. All right, girl, what are we screaming about today? Oh, God, we are talking about Jessica Chambers and ID murder mystery. And I'm going to tell you, we've never covered a case like this. This nope. is a trigger warning for someone being burned. It's truly yes. the details of this are going to stay with me, like Relentless is staying yes. with you. Like the visuals, the intrusive thoughts are really bad this week. So just letting yeah. you know, if you want to hear our take, please hang out. But if you don't want to watch it, it's all good. It's yeah. really, really tough. It's tough. We're going to find all the insane things like for example well diet diamonds here so thank you id for giving us a little bit something else to talk about it's difficult to imagine a more horrifying scene 19 year old jessica chambers set ablaze arms outstretched saying help me help me an event so horrendous it nearly destroys a family they took something from me that can't nobody replace and divides a small Mississippi town. It was a hurtful thing for everybody. She was a good girl. Some of these guys claim that they are being racially profiled. If the judge doesn't keep a very tight grip on things, it could quickly get out of hand. In a case with twists no one saw coming. Two torturous murders of two different women in two different states. And he erased her from his life. Correct. 
We start on December 6, 2014 in Cortland, Mississippi, and I said, Ashley Banfield is here to get us started. Ashley Banfield used to be a regular at my bar at Capitol Grill when I was a bartender. Ash, I know what she drinks. She drinks the vodka martinis with the blue cheese stuffed olives. She's a fucking riot and a half. Never have I met a nicer person, a funner person, somebody who like would sit in the middle of the bar and let everybody talk to her. She like liked being the life of the party. Ashley Banfield fucking rocks. Are you saying that I have to tone it down for her then? Because <laughs> no. I am, I'm sure she's great. I want to have the martinis with her. Yeah, but there yeah, are a yeah. couple times where I speak directly to her, such okay. as when she, because she's also a legal analyst. She's a yes. hoot and a yes. half at a party, apparently, <laughs> which I would uh, love to experience personally. Um, but she's also a legal analyst, which is why she's uh-huh. here. She's not just here because she likes the martinis. I got to tell you, though, she would be nice to Diane Diamond to her face, but the second Diane walked away, she'd have shit to say to you. No question. Fantastic. I'm yeah. sitting next to Ashley. Like, that's clear. <laughs> Um, but <laughs> so she describes this horrible scene where these men come across a raging fire. There's a car on fire and they don't see a person. It's just a car. And at 8.07 p.m., they decide to call it in to make sure the fire doesn't spread. Two minutes later, the local firefighters, the volunteers arrive and they're getting ready to put out a vehicle fire. It's not a big deal. And then they see something else. The volunteers show up and Ashley goes, they think it's a vehicle fire. No big deal. To which I say, excuse me, Ashley, all fires are a big deal. (laughs) They can spread very fast. So I'm glad to get to this before we get to the next part of this, because I live in absolute fear of forest fires. Every time I go home to Cape Cod and we like rent a little house to see my mom, if we get out like a house with a fire pit in the backyard and we even if we put it out with water, like with a fucking hose, I can't really sleep that night because I'm convinced it's going to start a forest fire. Yeah. I agree. It's fire is amazing and beautiful. We should respect it, but it's terrifying. (laughs) Wait, all of those. That's exactly how I would describe you. She's amazing. She's beautiful. We should respect her. She's terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really not this like persona that I've created on this podcast, but everything I talk about is enraging. So please. That's true. (laughs) I need to have an outlet for it. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, go to Talkspace. So um, <laughs> we also meet Therese Appel. She's a reporter. Yeah. Therese, I'm not thrilled with you, girl. I didn't write their names down. I couldn't do it. It's one of those things where there's 8,000 talking heads and you never know which one you're going to see again. I just said the cop, the reporter, Diane Diamond and Ashley Banfield. That's all I got today. Are you mad at me? I'm not mad at you at all. I'm mad okay, at Therese because she says she's a reporter and she goes, the people get here. They see something out of the walking dead. And I say, Jesus Christ, can we not? And then your best friend Ashley says no Jillian we have to because then Ashley says they see a zombie like person walking towards them with their arms outstretched everyone stop it she's a real fucking person her name is Jessica Chambers don't do that I really did write can we please do this differently like it's the way they make these ID specials and I like them I think they're concise and they're usually well done but like I do feel like there's a little bit of jockeying to like be the person who says the thing going into the commercial and out of the commercial I agree and it's all very like I don't know who writes it I don't know if it's ID who writes it I don't know if they get to write their own or whatever. And like knowing the story, but a lot of it is very, and even like the lean forward and the little wink to the camera. It's uh-huh. like, please don't wink at me when we're talking about a young girl being fucking set on fire. I'm going to have nightmares about this. I don't know. talk about the zombies in The Walking Dead. I will say for the most part, they do this really well. And Diane Diamond, for whatever her political affiliation, actually does this really well. She always, I agree. she speaks very much with like the appropriate amount of shock. This is maybe Ashley's first go at this. So maybe we can give her a little, we can cut her a little slack. I don't I, I, I'm still right next to her at the bar. I've called it. <laughs> Sit next 
her. She's so nice. I really like Ashley Banfield so much. And the thing is, with these kinds of shows, there is, I'm going to say, a 95% chance the producer's like, could you give us a line about The Walking Dead? Thanks. It's like, when, like on the real world or any reality show, they give everyone booze, and then they're like, did you hear what that bitch said about you? And then put a camera in your face. So like, I know. Real, it's still a reality show. You know what I mean? At its core. So How has nobody put me on one of those? I would be great on one of those. I don't know. I don't know. I've never been on one of those. Have you auditioned for one? (laughs) No, but I feel like at this point, my, like the, oh, that bitch's crazy profile is high enough that some producer would have reached out by now. You know what I mean? So like the podcaster Big Brother, you'll be on there. (laughs) Totally. You said there's booze? I'm there. But this woman is like walking out of the fucking fire, like completely burned. And she's saying, help me, help me. She's nearly naked. Somebody uh, grabs a blanket and gets her covered at least, and they try to walk her to safety, and she doesn't get very far before she just collapses. I also find the reenactment tasteless. I know it's what happened, but I don't think, I think it's a little unnecessary. I'm sorry, ID. Like maybe I'm just really sensitive with this. It's really horrible. I think it could have been handled with a little bit more care. I'm saying I agree. ID does great work. And look, they're just like, they're doing what the people want. You know what I I mean? It's, you know, we're, we are the odd people out in this scenario. Look, I'm used to it, please. (laughs) (laughs) So we meet Daniel Cole. He's one of the firefighters. I wrote his name down. We start asking, who are you? and what's your name and it took multiple times of asking who she was I mean, her skin was starting to tighten up and she's obviously breathed in superheated gases and it was a struggle to get anything out of her I don't want to linger on this they're, they're describing like how hard it is for her to talk because of what her the trauma her body is going through but she's able to muster close enough to the name Jessica Chambers that people are like oh should I know her like this is a small town this poor woman has been burned alive it's terrifying and so the, you know the EMTs are there and everyone's trying to save her life but they yeah. they ask her many people asked her who did this to you yeah and she could barely speak we'll get into the science and whatever yeah. and what happened to her later but they think they hear her say the name Eric or Derek. Immediately, this worries me. Yes. That they are now going to latch on to this name they think she maybe said in this complete nightmare of a scenario. Yes. And I said, maybe Republican Diane Diamond says. Can you imagine how difficult it was for her to, number one, walk, but number two, to speak, to get her name out? to answer questions about what happened to her. This is a monumental feat. This young woman got that strength from somewhere deep inside. Diane really does say, like, what she was putting herself through to make sound. Like, I think that she probably knew she wasn't going to survive this, and she's doing everything she can to give them information, and, you know, it's just fucking brutal. They airlift her to a burn center in Memphis, and then they have to go, like, find her parents and tell them what happened. Right. So we learn about her family and Jessica's story, so... And we kind of learn that her fucking family is fucking awesome. Like, we learn that her dad is a guy named Ben, his wife is Debbie, Jessica his mother is a woman named Lisa and they're all friends. Like, it's actually Debbie, the wife of the father, who comes to Lisa's house screaming about how they found Jessica and Jessica's on fire and they all get into, like, Debbie's car and they all go together. I think that is a very cool thing. Yeah, and if you can't 
come together in times like these, then you're really fucked. Honestly, like this is the yeah. time yes. to put away what Debbie said to Lisa at Thanksgiving or whatever. Totally. This is the time you forget about the soap in the downstairs bath. Okay. <laughs> you put all that aside because there's a fucking catastrophe. Okay. But she did know, she did know when she didn't say it, that it was going to hurt her feelings. Well, it's sometimes, look, because of the thing that happened last year, I'm not going to get into it. Okay. Where this is a drama. We got to go. Everyone in the call, let's go. <laughs> Says Debbie. Says Debbie. So they jump in the car and they're hoping that she like lives through the night. And just like as they're driving to Memphis, can we just talk for a second about this thing that they show 8,000 times? This fucking side of the road cross that's like 20 stories tall with this enormous like crown of thorns on it. Did you see this thing? No, but the way you're describing it makes it seem like, did I watch the right thing? How did (laughs) I I miss this? They show it a thousand times. It's this enormous cross on this like on the side of the highway and around like the T of the cross is this enormous crown of thorns that looks like it's made out of fucking barbed wire. It is ominous. What, you guys, what the fuck? It's like a Jesus thing, but it's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> that's supposed to be scary, right? It's supposed to be like he's watching you. When they say like the fear of God, <laughs> that's what that is, right? Like he's going to come get me if I. And also, more like he's sacrificed for you. You know what I mean? Like, right. So fucking get your act together. So get your act together. Nobody in this town takes that advice, by the way. No, not a single person. No. Um, so we learn a little bit about the family. Lisa was a nurse. Lisa is Jessica's mom. Ben was a mechanic for the sheriff's department. And Jessica was born in 1995. Her parents separate when she's three. Everyone still gets along, which is wonderful. Which is so cool. I feel like we're kind of breezing over that. I think it's unusual to like. Yeah, I think it's great. (laughs) Listen, stop coming from a place of non-broken home privilege, okay? Sorry. (laughs) Oh, Till and Barb are the best parents ever. They managed to make their marriage work. Why do you? I don't know. I'm in a weird place today. I'm just in a weird. I told you before we started. I feel weird. Look, I'm the one who said I need to. I needed to lay on my couch in silence for 20 minutes before we started. It's that kind of day. And your husband took the note and left the room. He was like, "What is? Is this good or bad? What's going on? Like, are you just chilling or are you in pain?" I was like, "I don't know what it is, but I just need this. I need it. I just need this for 20 minutes." And he was like, "Got it. We're doing that thing. This is a hard one to talk about. We are gonna all the diversions." They say that, like, she starts hanging out with some, quote, questionable people. I'm like, I'd like a little, I'd like you to expand your definition of question. What do you mean by questionable? But she still managed to graduate high school. I'm like, what are you doing? We're jumping, it's like really generalizing and jumping to a lot of conclusions. Like, to say, like, like all teens, she made bad decisions, but it's like, but lucky for her, she got the hell out of high school. Like, which one is it? Pick a lane. And then after high school, she gets a job at a clothing store. And I like, I understand this, where you get a job at the store where you want to shop. So like you get the job uh-huh. and then you get your paycheck sure. and then you spend all of your money on the clothes at the store. Right. That's a very, I think, resourceful teenage thing to do. Yeah. Well, that's like me and Dunkin' Donuts. Like I would get a job at Dunkin' Donuts so I could eat all the food. Patrick, did you really spend your $200 paycheck on bagels and coffee? Yes, mom, I did. What of it? I'm 15 and gay and I didn't get the lead in the musical, mom. I'm really going through it right now. <laughs> Can I have anything? I earned this. <laughs> My own bare hands, and I'm using those bare hands to eat the donuts and drink the coffee, okay? Back off, Pam. Now we're back in the burn unit, and these details, I just can't fucking handle them. And the injuries are really, really bad. And her family is with her in her last moments, and her mother takes a little comfort in that, that Jessica held on until her family could be there with her. I talked to her. I just told her that it was okay, that... I didn't want to lay there and hurt. She could cope. She didn't have to stay. That we'd be all right. 
And the weirdest thing is, no sooner than I said that, she went. And I just feel like she held on until she knew her family was there. And the mom says this thing that, like, I went to her and said, like, you are in so much pain. You don't need to, like, hold on and live in that for us. Like, it's okay. You can go. Like, you can tell these are, like, God-fearing people. But even what happened next surprised even the mom, where, like, the second she said it, like, Jessica did. She let go. Right. Like she heard her and listened, yeah. Yeah, the kind of pain that she must have been, like, living through at that moment. You know, I've heard about this case for years. I didn't realize we were dealing with, like, somebody so young. Like, she's so young. She's just, like, a tiny person. And it's just the trauma that she went through. It's so fucking heartbreaking. Yeah. So now I'm going to turn my sadness into rage. Welcome, everybody. Because now it's like, who who is this monster? Who did this to her? Yeah. Like, now we're going to try to find out how this happened in the first place. And I need my feelings to go somewhere, so I'm... Flipping on the rage button, Quick. and we're going into rage mode. <laughs> that's what we pay you for, GP. It's what we pay you for. <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, so that's why I was laying in silence on my couch right. for 20. I see. Okay, it all connects. Another piece of the puzzle falls into place. Okay. So we're back at the crime scene, and the fire's put out, and they say that the investigation can begin in earnest. And they're scouting the area around the car. They find her cell phone, and they find a scrap of her bra, and they send both off for testing. And they put the car on a flatbed truck, and they send it to the sheriff's department, and they call in all kinds of reinforcements. They call in the FBI, the Mississippi Bureau of Investigation. It's like an all-hands-on-deck situation. Like, whatever happened here cannot go unanswered. We've got to figure the fuck out what happened. Yeah, Tim from the NBI says he gets his call on his way to church, and he goes, so I went ahead and rolled out to the sheriff's department. Good on you, Tim, doing your goddamn job. <laughs> Anything to get out of church, you know what I mean, Tim? But does he have to drive past that cross with the thorns on it? Then it's like, did you leave? You know what I did? Yeah, you think this was inconvenient for me to be up here? Timmy, but I did it for you, okay? The doctor at the burn unit indicated that because of the burn patterns on her body, he felt like, you know, some kind of accelerant had been used on her. The scrap of bra recovered yields more details. The fabric that we had, the ATF tested it right away, and it came back that it was gasoline. That was the accelerant that was found uh, on the traces of her bra. So the doctors discover that accelerant was used on Jessica, and the lab confirms this. There was gasoline on her bra, and I'm never sleeping again. So the only witness they have is Jessica, really. Right. So remember, she said either Derek or Eric. She said something, and they are all saying that it was either the name Eric or Derek. So Tim does this thing where he's like, I decided I was going to get the number of every Eric and every Derek in Panola County. And I said, that sounds like something you demand in the movie version. But, like, in real life, like, poor fucking Dolores, his assistant, how are you tracking down all those numbers, girl? It's not like there's phone books anymore. I don't know, but get it done, Dolores, because this <laughs> is what we have to do. Get it done. Call in a friend. Go to Dunkin' Donuts on your way to work. Do whatever you have to do. Just you get it done. And so, meanwhile, this guy named Jerry King finds Jessica's keys. He was pushing his child in a stroller, and he saw something shiny down in the grass in kind of a ditch. And he noticed that they had a Ben's Body Shop tag on them. That's, of course, Ben Chambers. It was about a quarter of a mile or so from the crime scene. I didn't know anything about this story. And I'm like, is Jerry King the murderer? Like, they filmed the reenactment of him finding the keys. This all feels important to me. (laughs) At this point, he very well could be. It definitely seems like Jerry very well could be. So Lisa, the mom, gives us a timeline. Or as she says, I had to tell the law what I knew about where Jessica was that day. I just love little phrases like that that come up in the real world. Because I'm in my sheltered New York life. I never hear that. So it made my ears perk up. 
up, I was like, yes, Lisa, the law. You go tell the law, Lisa. Right. Lisa says that on that day, Jessica had gone out in the morning and was riding around with her friend, Keisha. She came home, I think around two that afternoon, took a nap in the lounger. Jessica gets a phone call around 425. So she tells her mother, uh, I'm going to go up to the store. But they say, like, that day that she died, she'd gone out that morning, was riding around with her friend Keisha. She comes home around 2. She, quote, took a nap in the lounger, and I felt very seen by Jessica. Nice life. A little nap on the lounger. A nap in the lounger. Oh, my God. Then she gets a call around 425. She tells her mom she's going to the store. The store is actually, it's called M&M's Quick Stop. It's a gas station. She says, I'll be back in a little bit. Um, Around 648, Lisa gets a call from Jessica. And it's a weird call. It's a little, it's weird. She's like, normally when you're on the phone with Jessica, there's like a lot of music in the background or whatever, but this call was very odd. It was very quiet. Yeah, it didn't sound like she was at the gas station. It didn't sound like she was out anywhere. It sounded yeah. like she was in a very quiet place, like not out in public is what it felt like. And she said she'd be home soon to clean things up. And that was the last Lisa heard from her. She's like, mom, I heard you about my room. I know it's a mess, <laughs> but I'm know. definitely going to clean it up when I get back. Do kids so eventually sweet. learn to clean their rooms? Because we're having a real problem with Daisy with that right now. I don't think Daisy ever will for me. <laughs> Why? What is it about Daisy that makes you think she'll never clean her own goddamn room? Because you and Steve will do it for her, and she <gasps> she is training you. She's like, <laughs> she's like, Steve's not gonna like that. You're gonna get a call from Steve when this episode goes live. Like maybe like as as a 19 year old, she knows well uh-huh. enough now. But I like in in my from where I'm sitting. I can't imagine a uh-huh. six, seven, eight, nine, ten-year-old kid actually actively, quietly, without any <laughs> argument, cleaning their room. Am I wrong? I don't know. Oh my God, it's never gonna end. <laughs> So we meet the DA prosecuting the case. Didn't write his name down. His name is John Champion. He comes back later. How is that a name you forget? John Champion? You know he loves that that's his name. I do. <laughs> and like when he was running for office, we are the champions, right. my oh, friends. God. Oh, God. If you're a Republican, please do not co-opt a song from fucking Queen, okay? From Queen. Give yeah. me break anyway so he wants to confirm the story so they go to the gas station and the clerk knew jessica he remember she had been there that night and the clerk is like super helpful he's this young kid he's from yemen his parents own this store he's just trying to be super fucking helpful he's like i got video of her coming in we actually see the video she comes in and at 5 30 she like makes a call and then turns around and leaves this kid's name is ali and like as soon as this all hits the internet this kid who's been super helpful and just wants to do the right thing the internet decides he's a fucking terrorist like they're sending him death threats, and really, this guy's like, I just get, I, I know her. I, I don't wait. What? So much so that the cops have to go on the news and say, Can yeah. you stop with the death threats on Ali? He's actually like the nicest person we've encountered in this. He's doing great. So could you not yeah. with the death threats and the racism? Thank you so much. The internet, you guys. What the fuck? You know what, what I mean? The fuck. Oh God. Like he's a terrorist. Fuck off. Yeah. So now we meet two important people. We meet Keisha Myers, who is Jessica's best friend, and we meet Quentin Tellis. And Quentin is a new friend for Jessica. We learned that the three of them had been together the morning Jessica was murdered. They'd been like in Jessica's car, like driving around the town. Keisha Meyer is Jessica Chambers' best friend. She was with her all the time. Keisha became a very important part of the puzzle of our investigation of Jessica's death. She said that she and Jessica had gone riding that morning. They stopped and picked up a young black male who Keisha remembered his name being Quentin. She said that they made a pretty good loop through Cortland. They actually went down Heron Road 
She said that she and Jessica smoked a blunt and that they dropped this Quentin off. So Quentin lives with his mother and Quentin lives directly across from the M&M gas station store thing. He has a record. He did prison time. He has some burglaries, but we learn, quote, he always seems to get out early. And another thing that's important to know, Jessica and Quentin only knew each other about two weeks, right? And Keisha, her best friend, is pointing the finger at Quentin for this horrible murder. So the cops call him in. They call him right in and he tells pretty much the same story that Keisha did. The cops want us to know he called it busting a loop when you just like drive around (laughs) aimlessly. (laughs) He also came in voluntarily and is being helpful. Like Quentin tells the cops he got dropped off at home around 11 and that was the last time he saw her. And he says they're just friends. Yeah, 11 in the morning, right? So they, yeah. this was like an early morning just busting a loop, which sounds dirty. <laughs> right. I'm sure it's not. Um, and then, But before he leaves, they're like, do you know an Eric or a Derek? And he's like, I do, actually. I know a guy named Derek Holmes, and he's like super weird about Jessica. You should look into him. How does this documentary not end in the next five minutes, right? We learn about this Derek Holmes guy. I said five, six, seven, eight. He's a sex offender. Of course he is with exploitation of a minor. And like numerous people are saying that he's been harassing Jessica. And I'm like, all right, let's fucking get him. Let's go. We got him. We found the guy. My friend Ashley Banfield says not only did they find a sex offender, they found a sex offender that has a thing for Jessica and has the exact name they're looking for. Like, how is this not the fucking guy? So they bring Derek in. He has the alibi to end all alibis. Then they say, okay, what were you doing that night that uh, Jessica Chambers was killed? And he said, well, I was at home rubbing my mother's feet. This will be Daisy's alibi if she's ever picked up for murder. They say, where were you when the murder was happening? And he says, I was at home rubbing my mother's feet. Now, the woman who gets the line. Yeah. Like, her name is Janice Broach. She hates that she had to be the one to say it. The way she's, like, rubbing his mother's feet. The words are, like, dripping with disdain as they're coming out of her mouth. Like, she hates the the visual. She hates the visual. She hates that he said that. She hates that she's the one saying it on television. I know. And the cops are like, I'm sorry. First of all, that's stupid. That's like, dumb. I can't believe you're actually going to. Like, how do, what are you talking about? And he's like, I rub my mother's feet every yeah. night. And I'm like, number one, if that's true, I hate that fucking dynamic. That mother son weird shit. Don't do that. So then, but jokes on me. I'm the I, asshole I, because it turns out she has a diabetic condition. So he has to rub her feet every night. So I'm the worst. Listen, I'm just saying if Daisy is ever picked up for murder, all she has to do, I'm home. I was home rubbing my mother Patrick's feet. It would be weird right. if it was coming out of anybody or else's mouth. it was mouth. Steve's feet. But now, that, no, no, no. She said the magic words. That's her get out of jail free card for life. They'd be like, oh, that queen? Oh, of course. I'm so sorry, kid. Do you, yep. you want to stay, spend the night in the drunk tank just to get away from him for a little bit, or are you cool? <laughs> she got to rub her mother's feet, you guys. Got to get them rubbed. But the thing is, like, this guy, Derek, his brothers and his mother, they all corroborate the story, which I guess is good enough for the cops. You're like, oh, the fucking guy was telling the truth. Yeah, but it's like everyone's family would say they were home all night. No? Right? <laughs> Of course. And I just have like, okay, but that's quite the fucking coincidence. Like the guy named Derek who was weird with Jessica. Even though I don't 100% believe that she said the name Derek, a sex offender who's interested in her and weird about her. And like, yes, we should be looking. Totally. So, but they move on. We decided we'd keep going out and looking up these Eric's and Derek's. They end up looking at 468 Eric's, Derek's, and a Jarek in Panola County and the surrounding areas. They look at 468 Derricks, Eric's, and one Jerick in the county. One single Jerick. <laughs> what? I, I needed a laugh so bad in that moment when they said 468 Eric's, Derricks, and a Jerick. I laughed so hard. Poor Jerick's like, what the fuck did I do? <laughs> I know. 
But here's the thing. Every suspect from that pool of 468 people, everyone that they questioned was black. And now let me be clear. It's not that all 468 of those Derek's and Eric's and that one Jarek were black. Yeah. Just the ones they chose to investigate were black. That was my question because like, how did they know? Like if they're calling them, you can't ask somebody if they're black over the phone. To be fair, it wasn't totally clear in the documentary. I'm assuming <laughs> that not all 468 <laughs> yeah. of them are black. That's what I was thinking, too. I was like, that's a weird... St- like, give me a little more background on how that statistic was come to. That, like, every single one of them was... What? Yeah, because, like, the point is that some of these suspects start going on the news saying they're being racially profiled. As they fucking should. Like, th- this is right. insane. So, to me, that means that not all 468 of them were black, just all the people they called in, right? I was just called in to, you know, uh, in for an interview about a situation I didn't know nothing about. He said it was an uh, accident, I think, down the road, and uh, your name was mentioned. We interviewed Eric's and Derek's. They were all cooperative. If they gave us an alibi, investigators were sent out to verify that alibi, and nothing ever came out of that. It didn't lead us anywhere. And one of the Derek's that goes to the news says, I was brought in and they said your name was mentioned in connection to this murder. To which I said, I guess that's true-ish. It's like barely true. It's barely, it's racistly true. You know what I mean? It's a real fucking stretch. And the cops knew that. They basically, because that's going to make everyone go, oh, fuck, wait, what, what, what? That's going to, that gets them exactly what they want, but it didn't work with any of these people. (laughs) And the DA can't believe that anyone was bothered by this. He's like, whatever, it was no big deal. If we called them and they had an alibi, we checked it out, we let them go. And it is such an example of like white cops not understanding how fucking traumatizing it is for some people of color just to be talked to by the cops. Oh, right. These people that go out of their fucking way to avoid doing anything that could even be interpreted as wrong or bad or illegal to never have to like have any interaction with law enforcement. They get, like it's a traumatizing thing for someone to get picked up and questioned by the cops. About a murder. I mean your life's over it could feel I'm sure. And why can't the fucking DA say that? Like I know it was traumatizing and I know but like we had to do what we had to do to find out like who killed this poor girl. Like there's no understanding as to why anybody would be bothered. It's so glaring to me. I know. You know? And it would really be helpful for the world if people said those words a little more clearly like to the public so there is a little bit of good news and that good news is that they were able to get into jessica's phone and get some more information yeah the phone was burned really badly but they were still able to get into it they were able to see all of her incoming and outgoing calls and texts but they never find a single eric or a derek that she had ever talked to and i said okay but what about jarek what about Je- where's Jerry? No, Jerry's fine. Jerry is fine. He didn't fine. do a thing, poor guy. Unless he's trash, I never know. I always have to have that little That's asterisk. True. Unless Jerick has been picked up for an unrelated charge and he's garbage. I don't know. I don't know that. But now, until up until this moment, I think he's great. Right. Phone records do yield other information that will take the investigation in a new direction. There was a number in her cell phone that she had not saved under any name at this point. They had been in contact for about a week, and they noticed that the text had started to turn to a sexual nature. So there was one number that Jessica was texting and calling, but it wasn't saved. And they'd only been in contact for like about a week. And the texts are super sexual and I hate all of it. But they're only one-sidedly sexual. Exactly. That's why I hate it. One of the texts says he's horny and she responds, we see it. She responds, oh Lord. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> this is a young woman, a 19-year-old woman trying to let a guy down gently because yes. it's very scary to do it any other way. Because it can end like how this ended. Exactly. So this person, I mean, constantly texting her, trying to be cute, asking to come over, come lay in bed with me, let's have sex. I mean, the more she says no, the more aggressive he is. Even if her no is like, oh, stop, just brushing him off. Even if she says yeah. like, I'm real, no, I can't, I don't want to, he pushes more and more. This was happening all the days leading up to Jessica's death. Guess whose fucking phone number it is? Quentin Tellis. When they tracked the guy down, it's that guy Quentin that they picked up and they busted a loop with or whatever. Sure. And then dropped him off according to them at 11 in the morning. And this is the guy she only knew for like two weeks and they hung out right. and smoked weed together. So this is also insane because he never mentioned any of this to the cops. Why would Quentin omit these important details? This makes him very, very suspicious. <laughs> then our friend or, you know, your friend of me, Diane Diamond, goes, this makes him very, very suspicious, to which I say, thank you so much, Diane Diamond. I'm aware. It's not my first IG murder mystery. So they go back to interview him again, and he tells them that they actually have had sex before. They've had sex in Jessica's car in the field behind his mother's house. And and remember, this is only coming out after he didn't mention it, and now they're asking him about it. So sure, yeah. he's being cooperative in the moment, but he's not offering up this information until after he's been caught in this live omission. And to that point, they're saying if he left out the fact that they had sex, what else has he left out? Right. They went from thinking of him as very cooperative and somebody that they could trust to somebody who like has glaring holes in his story on the day that this woman went missing and died. Right. Because even some of the details that he gives them are really incriminating because he's like, we mostly yeah. had sex in her car. And when we did, we would put the seat all the way back. And that's exactly how the seat was when they found Jessica's car. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And he's like, well, no, 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 no. We didn't have sex that night, but we did like in the days leading up to it. Yeah. And then like, so they're, they're questioning him at his house and they say to him like, by the way, how do you like get around? And he's like, oh, I have a dirt bike. Let me take you into my shed and show you. And he shows them a dirt bike and next to the dirt bike is a five gallon jug of gasoline, which piques their interest because we know there was an accelerant used on Jessica's car and Jessica's body and we know it was gasoline. So exactly. their spidey senses are going off. So the agent says, okay, Quinn, where were you uh, the night this happened to Jessica? And he said, oh, I was in Batesville. And Batesville is 10 minutes away. I was buying a prepaid debit card. He wanted to send that to his girlfriend in Louisiana so she could come and visit him. So then the feds are like, actually, now that we're here with next to the yeah. bottle of gasoline, um, yeah. where were you again <laughs> the night Jessica was killed? Just real quick. And he's like, oh, I was buying my girlfriend a prepaid debit card so that she can come visit me. And I'm like, then why are you sleeping with Jessica or trying to sleep with I mean, with Jessica? this is like, we blow right past the fact that this guy's got a girlfriend. And like, was it even consensual that he was having sex with her? That's my first question. He has a girlfriend that he's buying a debit card for, but he's sleeping. And like, the, all I know from Jessica from her phone is that she didn't want to do this. So are we just right. like breezing over the fact that he was possibly raping her? Oh my God. I guess we are. That's his alibi, that he was in Batesville at the time that like all this happened. It could not have been him. And so he says he got home that night around eight o'clock he learned what happened to jessica and diane diamond loses her fucking shit over this yeah. <laughs> it's a very it's one of those things where it's like the quieter she gets the angrier she is because totally. she doesn't <laughs> scream about it but you can tell she yeah. wants to he said well she wasn't around anymore deletes every trace of her all the texts her contact information everything to me that seems so heartless no, she's dead. I'm taking her out of my phone. He deletes every trace of her, Diane says. Every text, all contact information. I said, Diane is frankly shocked. Frankly. <laughs> and 
I mean, that is shocking because it's not like, wait, this was someone that you cared for or at least wanted to sleep with. Your immediate response is to just clear her and delete her from her life and not even ask a question. That's super suspicious. I was just going to say it is like shocking, but it's also very incriminating. Like, you know what I mean? More than anything is it incriminating. Yeah. If anyone ever asks, you want to try to pretend that you didn't, you never knew her. But he he knows that the text exchange is super shady on his part, too. So like, yeah, it's also you guys like, don't we know by now that text exchanges are forever? You can delete them from your phone, but they never really fucking go away. What is wrong with you? Or she still has her phone. You fucking dingbat. (laughs) Texts go both ways. (laughs) Am I crazy? (laughs) I've never heard you use the expression dingbat before. You know what? I've been using it lately. I just tweeted it about Taylor Swift. (laughs) I called these. I said you misogynistic dingbats about people who are talking shit. And so it's been on my mind. I said it the other day. And Mike was like, nice use of dingbat. So now it's just in there. So now it's going to be for the next six months. It's all I'm going to call anybody because now it's at the forefront of my brain. So the cops decide they're going to track down his alibi. In the convenience store surveillance video, you can see Quentin Tellis buying that green dot card at 826, which was, of course, only 20 minutes after the 911 call comes in. The store is a 15 minute drive from the crime scene. It means he could have made it in time, but just barely. And they go to that dollar store where he said he bought the debit card. You can see him on camera at 826. We see the picture, which is 20 minutes after the 911 call came in. And this dollar store is 15 minutes driving away from where Jessica was found. Mm -hmm. So they're saying he could have made the drive in that time, but probably not. Like, just barely. So, like, they just kind of let it go. But the rumor mill is going crazy. Because it's, like, close enough that he could make it in that time. And there's footage of him buying the car and all the lies. So now like the rumor mill is out of control but what people are doing because it's super fun to be a woman they're all talking shit about (laughs) Jessica they're judging her they're being terrible they're just saying like oh she was just fucking around she's a whore she's a slut whatever it's a nightmare Ashley Banfield says she'd been hanging out with some pretty bad folk did one of those people come to exact revenge I said what What revenge for what What? (laughs) now she's like a criminal mastermind all of a sudden like what are we saying she's a teenage girl who like smokes weed sometimes and wants to be a writer Like, can we stop? Yeah. But also at the center of all these rumors is a guy named Travis Sanford, who's Jessica's boyfriend. I'm shocked every step of the way. He was about nine years older than she was, but they were a couple. About a month, month and a half before Jessica died, Travis was incarcerated on burglary charges. He's her boyfriend who's nine years older than her. Okay. When she, you're 19, nine years is a major gap. If you're 21, yes. you're, yes. it's a major gap. Even 31 and 40, I think you're pushing it. When you're 19 totally. and 28, you have nothing in common. You have nothing to say to each other. And you're a fucking creep, Travis. Yeah. And so, like, we also learned that this guy, like, months before she died, Travis was incarcerated for burglary. And they were still talking on the phone. We're told they have a tumultuous relationship, which I'm sure just means he beats her. Diane Diane says it, and I said, I don't like it, Diane. Say it's an abusive <laughs> relationship. Call it what it is. There yeah. is you, you don't have a tumultuous relationship when you're 19 and 28 and he's a felon. No. Like, I'm sorry. No. And then, like, somebody drops the idea that maybe he put a hit out on her for being unstable. Travis <laughs> is a lot of things, but I really, honestly, no. truly don't think he's putting out a fucking hit on Jessica. No, and they, they say that like Cortland, the town does have a gang presence and he was definitely gang affiliated. The long and the short of it is they go to see him and however creepy and disgusting he is, he's like devastated that she's dead. And, but 
like, really? They're like, well, he was super upset, so we cleared him. And I'm like, <laughs> I know. There were other reasons why you cleared him, right? Fingers well, crossed. Like, did you ask anybody else if that guy was creepily rubbing his mother's feet other than the mother and the brother? You know it's what like, I mean? Of course the mother. Like, come on. <laughs> and I love the other brother is like, I cannot let my brother go to jail because then I'm left to rub her feet every fucking I know. night. <laughs> Can you take me with him? I might have been there for a little bit. You want to question me for a few minutes? So months are going by, the case is going cold, and then they decide they're going to pay even closer attention to the cell phone data. So they bring in this guy, Paul. What's his last name? Cell phone Paul. His name is Paul Rowlett, but henceforth, cell phone Paul. <laughs> cell phone Paul. They bring in cell phone Paul. He's like the cell phone guy. He's like the Abe Rowanowitz from, um, from the case against Adnan Sayed. Remember, he was like the cell phone expert yeah. that Susan Simpson had to like coerce uh-huh. into testifying. Right. Remember that? Good thing I came up with this really perfect nickname for him, cell phone Paul. <laughs> Guess it all makes sense. You right? guys, I just want to know to our listeners what kind of points, how many of you could have on a moment's notice come up with an Named Abe Ruanowitz. Even Rabia would be like, what's that guy's name again? Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> I can't believe I did it. Are you impressed? I mean, usually you say that you wish they could see my face, but at this, I wish I could see my own reaction when I was like, you what? Oh my God. Where did you pull that out from? I love it. Anyway, so the story for Quentin, right? They're looking at Quentin's phone records. The timeline from Cell Phone Paul is that he finds out that Quentin was lying about where he was when Jessica was murdered. They were actually in the same place. Quentin says, I was accounting away. I was, you know, 15, 20 minutes away. He wasn't. So the timeline that Cell Phone Paul tells us is that Jessica calls Quentin at 530. And by six o'clock, the two of them are together in Batesville, which goes against like Quentin was like, they dropped me off at 11 and that was it. No, 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 no. Right. According to the cell phones, according to Cell Phone Paul, they were together. So, of course, they're like, "Ah, we got to talk to Quentin again. So they track him down in Monroe, Louisiana, and he's in jail for a, quote, unrelated fraud charge can i ask you a question everybody (laughs) yeah and then i got a comment so please when we hear we hear this all the time unrelated blank charge can you just tell us what the fuck it is i don't really have 20 minutes to google it because it's not always that easy to find okay just tell me what the unrelated because maybe it's not so unrelated can you just tell me do me a kindness and just tell me what the fucking charge is why my question is can we all make better choices <laughs> like can you not be a person when they're trying to track you down to ask you questions about the murder you maybe did could you not be in jail in another state for a fucking fraud charge I know. like why 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 i don't know okay. <laughs> i really don't so they're like quentin we gotta talk and he's like absolutely fellas come on in waves his <laughs> right to a lawyer all too yeah. happy to talk to them <laughs> and he's like mr tim he's calling the cops mr tim i, I thought know. that was all cleared up quentin please so they're like here's what cell phone paul says and don't fuck him on this okay He says, (laughs) he says, cell phone Paul says that you two were together. Look, Quentin, we're not saying that you're a liar. We're just saying that you probably lied and we want to set the record straight. So which is it? He says, we know that you went to Batesville at six, not at eight when you said you went to get that debit card for your girlfriend. And Quentin's like, I didn't. And he's like, well, your cell phone did. So who had your cell phone? He's like, well, I had my cell phone. He's like, well, if you had your cell phone, we know that you went to Batesville at six with Jessica. And he's like, "Oh, oh, oh, you know what? Now that you mention it. Quentin changes his story, and he says, yeah, I, I did see Jessica that night, but I was in Big Mike's truck, saw her at Taco Bell. 
I get out, I give her $10, a little bag of marijuana, but then I get back in the truck with Big Mike and we go back to Cortland to hang out. I know this is the 14th time I'm telling the story, but you're right. I did go to Batesville. I wasn't with Jessica though. I was with Big Mike. We're going to get back to the story in just a second. Yeah. Can we normalize not putting the word big in front of somebody's name as a nickname? Speaking of somebody that that has happened to on more than a handful of occasions, nobody likes it. I'd like to check with Mike to see if he enjoys being called Big Mike. Yeah. I don't think they're referring to his height. You know what I mean? No, I agree with you 1,000%. Thank you so much. If Mike, henceforth he shall be called Mike. (laughs) If Mike Mike doesn't want that, then we are not calling him that. You don't do that to people. Just just like you don't give yourself your own nicknames. Totally. T-Bone from the sports hockey mob thing we did, T-Bone. You gave that to yourself. Let's be honest. Be real with me, please. And if Mike didn't come up with Big Mike, then we should be calling him Mike or Michael or whatever. Please don't call me Big Pat. Oh, my God. Who the fuck called you that, by the way? Let's go back to that. Big Pat. Who is that? When I was in college, there was a kid that called me Big Pat, and he was too hot to tell him he couldn't call me that. He was a friend of yours who thought this was like a term of endearment. He was just like a person I would see in the elevator from time to time. He was on the one sports team that Emerson had where they played the hockey and the football and the soccer and the basketball. Mm -hmm. And I remember his name, but he called me Big Pat. And I was like, well, I guess you can have it, hot sports guy. He knows my name, so God. (laughs) Existing is really hard. It's kind of the worst, right? When you're just like, what? okay, so this interaction Mm -hmm. is worth this little bit of my pride and self. Yeah. Um, So he says, I wasn't with Jessica. I was with Mike, but I did see Jessica. We were at a Taco Bell, which I spelled (laughs) B-E-L-L-E. Taco Bell. She's gorgeous, so she deserves. (laughs) Welcome to the stage, Taco Bell. (laughs) So he says he gave her $10 and some weed, but then he went back to Mike's house, and then Mike took him home, and he says he was there until he left around 8 o'clock to go get the prepaid card for his girlfriend. Uh, Sure, no one's buying it, but here's how they end this conversation. They make Quentin swear on his mother that he wasn't with Jessica. Ashley Banfield thinks it's hilarious. He's like, he swore on his mother. And I'm like, oh, well, if he swore on his mother, then let's let him go. He swore on his mother, but they had to figure out whether he was telling the truth. What are these cops doing? Honestly, honestly. Well, he swore. Well, you guys, he swore on his mother. John, he swore on his mother. We let him go, right? We let him go. Okay, great. My God. So they track down Mike, and Mike throws Quentin right under that fucking bus. He's like, uh, I was in Nashville at the sports ball game, but I was with my truck the entire time. And and also, I fucking hate that Quentin guy. He calls me Big Mike. He's the only one who does it. I don't like it. Yeah, that truck is going a thousand miles an hour. Throws Quentin right under it. And he's like, Quentin wasn't with me or my truck so yeah so they're like you guys i know he swore on his mother we got to bring that quentin guy back okay we went back and confronted him with the lies that he had told us and that's when he finally broke down and told us that he had actually been with jessica and that they had gone to baseball and come back to his house and so they go back to Quentin and Quentin's like, okay, okay, fine. I actually was with her in Batesville. And then we went back to my house and smoked some weed in her car behind my mom's house. She left a little after seven. He goes back inside and he firmly denies being with her or anywhere near her when she was attacked and set on fire. And like Diane Diamond is like, that's fine, but you keep putting yourself closer and closer to the crime scene. <laughs> Every time your story changes, you get like a mile closer. You're lying in the wrong direction. <laughs> like, <Right. laughs> no, no, no. So the cops right. are like, hey, Quentin, I know you swore on your mother. I hate to do this. <laughs> but cell phone Paul has a bunch of records debunking like all of your bullshit, right? 
so sorry to be doing this to you. I know. I don't want to besmirch your mother's name or whatever. I did just drive by that gigantic cross with all the thorns on it. I'm feeling real antsy about it. However, I know you swore on your mother. It, believe me, Quentin, it oh. kills me to do this. So they're like, Look, Cell Phone Paul has records that debunk all of this. We said we have y'all's phones match each other from just after 5.20 or so until about 7.30. He jumps up and just goes nuts. He goes ballistic. It was Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And this is when they're like, well, he went crazy. Okay, I guess that trumps the mother swearing. So they indict him on the spot. And then on February 24th, 2016, 14 months after the murder, the DA announces the indictment of Quentin Tellis. I've never seen a fucking trial like what we're about to come up against. Yeah. It is bananas. bananas. And the community is pretty split between like, you pinned it on a black guy with a rap sheet and you got like, you did good police work. You got the right guy. You because know? everyone's like, wait, wait, wait. You've been screaming about an Eric or Derek for a year. Where did Quentin come from? Yeah. And that's what they say. Like there was was no smoking gun. There was no murder weapon. No, There was no witnesses who put Quentin in the car with Jessica at the time of the murder. And then the Eric or Derek shenanigans. So three years later, it's October 2017. Three years after the murder, the trial begins. First of all, the footage we see is from a site called Law News Network. News with a Z. Are you serious? I thought it was so distasteful. I'm like, this is a fucking murder trial. News with a Z. So I looked it up. And it was eventually bought by A&E and that Dan Abrams guy who does live PD or whatever. And it's now the Law and Crime Network. But all of the footage of the trial we get, which is a lot, it has this big lower third that says Law News Network, News with a Z. I was incensed. I was like, Mike, look at this. I don't know how I missed that. I thought it's so tacky. Oh, my God. Well, you know, the DA who's been with us the whole time, he's the prosecutor. They're saying that, like, his opening was very emotional. And the first thing he says is, I don't want you to worry about the Eric or Derek stuff. I promise you you were going to get to it. I promise you it's not going to be important. And then the defense attorney, this woman, Darla Palmer, we should say that Quentin's family and friends put up money to hire this like fancy defense attorney. Yeah. We meet her. I kind of fucking love her. Her name is Darla Palmer. She looks like smart as a whip. If I ever go down for something, I want her on my side. The evidence will show that what she said was that Eric set me on fire. She didn't say any other name. She didn't mention any other person. And she is saying, like, he didn't say Eric or Derek. He just said Eric. She said, Eric set me on fire. Also, you can't trust the cell phone evidence. I know you think you can because you all listen to Serial, but I promise you, you yeah. can't. I'm going to get into all of it. Right. So the prosecution is all about the emotional aspect. The defense is just about how Quentin is not named Eric or Derek. And here yes. we go. That's really the entire trial. Yeah. One thing I didn't like that Darla did is she went after Jessica's character. You know, she was doing yes. drugs and dangerous. She yep. was painting Jessica as no angel. She she had a lot of enemies and it's like wait a second defend your guy don't go yes. after jessica just to, just defend quentin if his name is an eric or derek or whatever else you have with the cell phone stuff but don't come for jessica like that that's fucked up i totally agree and the, the trial is like you know they have all these emts and all the first responders crying on the stand about like how traumatizing it is to to have seen jessica in that state they cannot contain themselves like no. they are sobbing yeah it's an image they'll never get out of their mind and like the one thing where they're going the back and forth 
through the whole trial. My only question was like, why? What is the motive? And the prosecutor, like in his closing argument, finally gets to it. And he's like, this fucking guy had been pestering her for sex for six days or however many days it was. And he finally like, he killed her because she didn't want to have sex with him. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh shit. Like there's evidence to support that. Like the days and days and days of like badgering her via text message for sex and and her shutting him down. And then, you know, deleting her from his phone entirely. Like there's a lot of suspicious stuff. The friend saying he wasn't with me. Keisha saying he was really fucking weird. Like there's a lot of stuff here, right? We know she went to the Eminem gas station, which is right across the street from Quentin's house. And that she then went to his place for reasons we don't know, but that they were in her car, probably smoking pot or whatever. The prosecution's theory is that Quentin sexually assaulted her in the car, got really rough with her and thought that he maybe killed her. So he had to go like into the woods with the car and set the whole thing on fire to like clean up his mess is what they say. Right. So now the jury deliberates, right? They deliberate for one day. They come back. You guys fucking pull over. Never in my life. Pull (laughs) over. And the judge in that Southern drawl says, did all 12 jurors agree on this verdict? They say, yes, we did. The judge says, okay, great. What's the verdict? All right. Would you hand the verdict, please, to the court, to the clerk? Excuse me. We all did the real. Sir? I looked over and I saw the juror shaking his head like, no, that's not my verdict. You said we all agreed on that verdict. We did. The verdict has to be unanimous. So all 12 did not agree on the verdict. Is that what you're telling me, sir? The four person says not guilty. Out of in the back, someone goes, uh, no, 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 we don't all agree. <laughs> what? The judge says it has to be unanimous. Uh, there are like four people who are like, no, we didn't say Like, how did this even come to out of the jury room? I don't understand it. And Ashley Banfield, can, she's like, never in my fucking life. They send the jury back to the fucking jury room. They're like, no, unanimous. You all have to agree. So they come back out. He's like, do we have a verdict? He says, yes. They come back and it and it happens again. It, right? It's chaos down here, Tom. It happens again because they're like not guilty, and then there's like a bunch of murmuring. So John, the lawyer, is like, whoa, 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 wait. People, yeah. these people don't know what unanimous means. I want to pull the jury. He pulls right. the jury, and they're the same four people. We didn't say not guilty. We said guilty. Right. Never like, and no one. You then guys, the judge I, gives them a fucking third chance, and they come out and they say we can't even do it. We don't even know. It's that word. Say that word again. Unanimous. I don't. I don't understand. They either can't come to an agreement or they don't know how to do it. It's. It, it is chaos down here, Tom. <laughs> I gotta say, I was on a trial one time, and I was the foreman of the jury. We we didn't get this far. They settled pretty quickly. But I'm like, if I were in charge of the jury, I'm pretty sure this is what would have happened. Like, how did you leave the room the first time I if know. the four of you were like, wait, I don't I agree. And then this person's like, we all agree, Your Honor. Like, wait, and two, three times now? And if you need to have somebody explain to you what unanimous means, that's fine. Like, right. did somebody not tell them what the word unanimous means? The judge was like, you all have to agree. Do it again. From the top. <laughs> then they come out and they're like, is this it? No, do it no. again. <laughs> From the top, they come out again. We can't do it. I'm so sorry. They just give up. So now it's a fucking mistrial. Cut to September 2018, another retrial. It's another fucking mistrial. They go through it all again. It's another mistrial. So now we're just going to go back to 2015, eight months after Jessica's death. Yeah. Something else horrible happens. Fucking great. So... We're in Monroe, Louisiana. That's where Quentin was in jail for that fraud charge we don't know anything about. An apartment building manager gets a report of a strange smell coming from one of the apartments. So he lets himself in. It is clear that there has been a struggle there, especially in the bedroom. There he notices the body of a young woman. 
She has been repeatedly stabbed. We learned that there was this young woman who had been murdered there. She was a 34-year-old woman. Her name was Ming Chang Shao. They call her Mandy. She had been stabbed like 30 times. And basically what's happening here is this guy Quentin is on the hook for this murder too. Right. And Louisiana's like, we will hold off on this murder trial until you guys get it figured out in the Jessica Chambers case. And the Jessica Chambers case, like they get a fucking hung jury twice. So now the only way this guy's going to get any jail time is if they can get him for Mandy. Guess what, you guys? That trial hasn't even fucking started yet. No. It was supposed to start January 3rd. I scoured the internet. I cannot find anything. Me too. About the trial actually starting. Me too. And the thing is, they have footage of Mandy. Like, he stole her debit card and used it after she died. There's footage of Mandy giving him prescription drugs in a Walmart parking lot. Like, and it's Quentin's plates and it's his. Yeah. Like, all signs are pointing to Quentin Tellus right now. And so the Jessica Chambers thing is just like two mistrials. We don't have no idea what's happening with Mandy's case. And he's just like sitting there awaiting trial. And it's not even confirmed that they're not going to try him again. Like, they might try him again for Jessica Chambers. Like, this ends with no certainty whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's not a question, right? Like, after no, the Mandy thing, like, of course this guy did it. Of course. I think we established last week that, like, I'm getting hauled in for something any minute now. Any minute. Do you think if I swear on my mom, they'll just let me go? Can I use that? Or is that just a one-time only? <laughs> I swear on my mom. They're like, oh, okay, great. Okay. Oh my God, you guys, we did, what's it, what's it called? It's called Jessica Chambers, an ID murder mystery. This is horrifying. I can't even, like, it's the imagery, horrifying. it's so, so bad. And how did the cops fuck this up? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I know. I mean, we need, we need some more information on Mandy's case, you guys. If you want more Jillian and me, join us on the Patreon. Over 300 full ad-free bonus episodes to download a binge right the second. We are playing Broadway April 11th. If you have tickets, please come. If you don't have tickets, get in the Facebook group. In the pinned announcements, you're going to see a place where you can sell your tickets so people can come. There's like over 100 people looking for tickets because we are sold out. Um, Girl, what are we doing next? We are doing Taken. It's a 2020. It's the real life Gone Girl case. Oh, 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 I know this one. I listened to this one on an airplane. It's called Taken. It's 2020. Yeah. So if you want to do your homework, it's there for you. And uh, It's a really bananas case, you guys. It's really, really, really crazy. Yeah, when I was like the real Gone Girl putting that on the calendar. Holy <laughs> <Yeah>. shit. <laughs> so stay tuned for the trailer for that. Our funny and hilarious outtakes. We love you guys. We love you. Thank you so, so much. We know this was a tough one. Thanks for sticking with us. We, and we love you. Yeah. We love you. And if you have information, put it in the group. We want to know. Please. Yeah, please let us know. All right, we love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. I remember being asleep and hearing a voice and thinking it was a dream. Denise Huskins vanished from her boyfriend's home on Mare Island. This voice was trying to pull me out of the dream, and I was resisting. Like, no, no, no. Kidnapped for ransom, abducted from her Bay Area home. But the voice kept talking, and I just remember my eyes shot open, and I could see the walls illuminated, and I could hear, wake up, this is a robbery. And in that moment, I just thought, oh my god, this is not a dream. Tonight, Denise Huskins is still missing. Police have no suspects. They've questioned her boyfriend. The new twist in what some call the real-life gone girl. And I'm just going, what the hell is this? And how the hell could this be meant for anyone? Bada boom, bada bing, bada boom. He turned his life around and now he's like a great family guy. Yeah. Thank you for self-correcting. It's bada bing, bada boom. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. I can see those Italian eyes when I try to do the boom before the bing. You know what I mean? The evil eye. Yeah. Like Sophia. <laughs> 
what are you doing walking your kid? Don't I know? In the middle of nowhere. Don't I come for me. I don't I know. know anything about anything about kids and where you walk them and what age they walk. Like, when do they start walking? Like, six? If they can either start walking at six months or six years. Uh-huh. I have no... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're like seven when they start walking. Okay, great. I know they walk younger than that, everybody. Get out of my DMs. He... Whoa. I just fell in my chair. I know. I just fell. It's been a minute. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know what I learned on the internet today? What? Julie Murray, Maura Murray's sister, has a TikTok now. And that receipt where Maura went to buy all that booze, she returned $4 and something cents in fucking cans, in $5 redemption cans. But I don't know. You're a college kid. Like, four bucks goes a long way. I guess. I mean, yeah. Anyway, I'm just saying, follow Julie Murray on TikTok for more life hacks, you guys. Life hacks like how to get four bucks fast. Today we have wearing a chalupa. It's Taco Bell. <laughs> this season on RuPaul's Drag Race, Taco Bell. Oh, I was doing like the strip club guy. Totally. All right, everybody, come. Please welcome to the main stage once again tonight. It's Taco Bell. <laughs>